After the holidays, a little cash goes a long way. The Chime checking account has tons of benefits to help, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members, no monthly fees, and thousands of fee-free ATMs. You can even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. Sign up for Chime today at chime.com slash goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from the payer. What's up guys? How are we doing? Welcome back to another episode of Around the Arc. I'm Jamie. Brilliant to have you here as always. Now we've got a couple of very interesting topics to dive into today. Um, we're going to be talking uh, potential breakout seasons and then I'm also going to get into a list that Bleacher Report came out with quite recently talking about the the top players in the league under under the age of 23 so we'll get into that a little bit later on but for now i want to start off with my list of players who i think are primed for breakout seasons next year now if you've been following along with the podcast you know in the last in the last few weeks i've um i've done lists on Guys looking to have bounce back seasons. Uh, I've also I've also made a list on players with something to prove going into next year. So, for the sake of not talking about the same guys over and over and over again, this list I'm I'm not including guys that I talked about on those lists. So even if you think a few of them could be primed for breakout seasons, which I happen to actually think. Uh, for a few of them, uh, they're not going to be on this list. So, um, that's just so you know, I've not, I've not forgotten them. Um, I've deliberately left them out so I can talk about some new names. So, a few of those guys would include, you know, names like Brandon Ingram, Jason Tatum, Jamal Murray, Ben Simmons, Dejounte Murray, and a few others. And like I said, even though I I do feel like like any number of the players I've just said, uh, they could indeed be primed for a breakout season. And they're not. You're not going to find them on on this list. So with that out of the way, um, let's just get into the main part of of this topic. I'm going to start off with a few honorable mentions of guys I think could maybe break out this year the first of which is Wendell Carter Jr. for the Chicago Bulls now Carter he had a solid rookie season but he was held back by some injuries um and his ability to shoot three pointers also disappeared but um I look look for him to kind of build on the promise that he showed in in his rookie season um, show a bit more development and if he can stay on the court then breakout season is a bit of a possibility and uh, next I've got Terry Rozier for the Charlotte Hornets now despite the bad contract which I have already talked about on the on the podcast before 
Terry Rozier, he should, I'm expecting him to have a career year in Charlotte, basically due to the expanded offensive role he's going to get, and also due to a lack of any other real offensive weapons on the on this Hornet squad. Uh, which leads me into the next honorable mention, Miles Bridges, who also plays for Charlotte. And again, I think he was one of the more kind of underappreciated rookie prospects a year ago. And I think he's another guy who should benefit from the increased opportunity and increased playing time that he'll get for this potentially terrible Hornets squad. And next up, I've got Luke Kennard for the, for the Detroit Pistons. Um, I think as one of the as one of the few pure shooters that Detroit has, um, I think Kennard's sort of maturity and development that he's shown on offense that should be met with a with a slightly expanded role this year, um, especially considering he's he's shown flashes of being a legitimate offensive threat. You know he's shown a a few playmaking tendencies as well as his lights out shooting in his first couple of years so he's another guy to watch and finally on the list of honorable mentions i've got otto porter jr for the chicago bulls now i think after we saw a rejuvenated otto porter last year after he was traded from washington to chicago i expect him to carry that momentum into next year and Frankly, I expect him to have his best season yet as as a pro for the for the Bulls. Now, let's get into the main list. So I've got so I've got eleven guys in this list, and starting off the list at number eleven, I've got Mitchell Robinson, uh, the center for the New York Knicks. Now, Robinson, he turned out to be one of the better rookies last year, and he could turn out to be an absolute steal for the Knicks if he continues to develop like we expect him to. I mean, he's already established himself as a terrific rebounder, uh, rim finisher, and shot blocker as well. And he's a guy who I think could end up leading the league in blocks one day. And he could even, he could compete for that title as early as next season, I think. Uh, he will need to reduce his foul rate, uh, and he'll need to work on becoming a more impactful team defender, more than just a shot blocker. But I mean, I have I have little doubt that he'll do just that as he as he gains more experience and and maturity in the league. Um, I mean, now talking about his team situation. With the Knicks being the Knicks, uh, they did go out and make a number of pretty weird signings in free agency that, on paper, they do very little uh, in terms of sort of team cohesion, roster fit, and youth development. I mean, they've brought in a number of bigs, some of whom will demand some time at the five, but... I expect head coach David Fisdale to make Mitchell Robinson's development a definite priority. And I expect him getting, you know, somewhere in the range of, you know, 27, 28 minutes per game. Now, in a starting role, playing close to 30 minutes a night, I mean, I don't think it's too harsh to expect Robinson to average around about a double-double while adding, you know, between two and two and a half blocks a night. 
And if he does that, I mean that I would think that would definitely qualify as a as a breakout year. At number ten, I've got Malcolm Brogdon for the Indiana Pacers. Now, the one thing that sort of held Malcolm Brogdon back so far in his NBA career has been injuries. Uh, despite his questionable health, he has he has still managed to win Rookie of the Year. Uh, and he's also shown steady improvement each and every season. Um, he's grown into a pretty lethal marksman from the outside, and he's super efficient from basically anywhere on the floor. I mean, last year he joined the elusive 50-40-90 club, which, you know, that's no small feat. And defensively, Brogdon, he's also a very valuable player. He's able to guard... Uh, both guard positions and he's also occasionally able to match up against some smaller threes as well Uh, he's proven he can fit well into an offensive system that features other stars and milwaukee played off Giannis and chris middleton extremely well Um, but now in indiana i reckon his offensive responsibilities uh, we're going to see them expanded past where they ever were with the bucks and as Victor Oladipo continues to recover from that leg injury that he suffered last season for the Pacers, I think this will uh, put even more pressure on Brogdon to kind of take that next step in his game, possibly even becoming a borderline all-star next season. I would expect him to put up numbers in the range of 18 to 19 points on, on really good efficiency again. Um, couple that with you know between four and five rebounds, five assists, and solid perimeter defense as well, and he'd definitely be a, a breakout candidate for for the Indiana Pacers. Number nine, I've got Bam Adebayo for the Miami Heat. Now Adebayo, he seems to be in the perfect position to break out next year. I mean, after splitting time as a starter and a reserve last year. I think he's now primed to become the full-time starting center for for the Miami Heat in in 2020. Uh, As a starter last season, he put up numbers in the range of about 12 points, nine boards, and over three assists per game as well. I think that was an area of his game that sort of went unnoticed, his uh, his playmaking ability and passing out of the the low post. Now, as... As more of a focal point next season, and with an improved skill set, I don't know if you saw footage of him uh, playing one on one in the in the Team USA practices, but he was he was looking like a guard with some of his moves there. So assuming he does come in with an improved skill set as well as being relied upon more in the offense, I reckon Bam should easily be able to put up numbers in the range of about 15 points, 10 boards, three and a half assists as well. Uh, both both he and, and Justice Winslow were the Heat's kind of main bright spots last season. And although I think the addition of Jimmy Butler may actually limit Winslow's growth and possibly even limit his effectiveness next year, I do think Bam will thrive with Jimmy. And if he has the kind of breakout season that 
me and a, a few other people are expecting him to have, then I wouldn't be surprised to see the Heat in the thick of the playoff race in the Eastern Conference. Now, number eight, I've got Derek White for the uh, San Antonio Spurs. Now, the injury to DeJounte Murray last year meant that White saw considerably more playing time as a rookie than most people initially expected. And during the regular season, he proved that he was a very steady, reliable cog in the Spurs system, and he, he fit perfectly within it. And then in the playoffs last year, he he elevated his play. In that, in that seven-game first-round series that the Spurs played against the Nuggets, uh, Derek White, he put up a little over 15 points a game, and that was on nearly 55% shooting from the field, which is incredible, especially for a guard as well. Um, and obviously the, the highlight of, of that playoff, that short playoff run was his 36-point masterpiece performance in a Game 3 Spurs victory. Now, <clears throat> with White, it appears that San Antonio have done it again and have found yet another draft day steal. And I think White looks to be a, a huge part of San Antonio's you know, future going forward. And I think even, even if he doesn't become an all-star caliber player, I think I still expect White to make a pretty significant jump in his second season. I think maybe upping his scoring to around the 13 to 15 point range while handling an increased offensive load after he, he showed what he could do what he could do last year. Number seven, I've got Marvin Bagley for the Sacramento Kings. Now, Bagley had a huge statistical season last year as a rookie. I mean, although he was largely overshadowed by Luka Doncic and Trey Young, he still put up around 15 points and seven boards for a Kings squad who, Kings squad who just about slipped into the playoffs, which that's very impressive for a rookie. And the scary part about Bagley is he still has a ton of room to grow. Um, I mean, he's still he's still a below-average three-point shooter, but despite a pretty slow release, his form, it does look good, and his free-throw improvement as well is another sign that he will end up becoming more proficient as an outside shooter. Now, defense is another area that Bagley needs to kind of sure up, but he definitely has the physical tools to at least to be a strong positive on that end. And maybe adding a little bit of strength to his frame will also help in that regard. And the other the other main question with, with Bagley heading into his sophomore season is what his role will be on the on this Kings team. And Quite a lot of that depends on which position he'll spend the majority of the time playing. Now, I think he can certainly play center. Um, he's got the size and physical tools to definitely spend some time at the five. But I think at this point, 
I think he's definitely better suited to the four, which uh, makes improving that outside shot all the more important. Now, in any case, I think Bagley is, is going to play a big role next year within the Kings offense, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him have a stat line of you know about 18 points and nine boards while proving that he that he's much more comfortable playing the NBA game I do expect to see that kind of growth from him in year 2 as well moving on to number 6 which is Bagley's Kings teammate I've got DeAaron Fox here now Fox already had a bit of a breakout season a year ago uh, in his sophomore campaign. But I wouldn't be surprised to see another leap from him in this coming year. I mean, starting with his with his obvious main strength, Fox, he could be the fastest player in the entire league today. And he uses that insane quickness very well, both in transition and in getting to the rim, which he does very well for a point guard. Now, what really opened up his offensive game a year ago was his vastly improved playmaking as he became one of the one of the top distributors in the league. Now, his consistency and decision-making still need a bit of work, and that's why I expect another breakout season this year for, from the Kings point guards. I think with, with an improving supporting cast around him, coupled with, you know, more experience, growth, maturity. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see Fox uh, flirt with a 20-10 season next year. I know those are sort of lofty expectations, but um, I definitely think it's, you know, doable for him. Number five, I've got Jaron Jackson Jr. of the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, Triple J, as I've seen some people call him, he had a very impressive rookie season a year ago, as I've, I've talked about before on the, on the podcast. I mean, he, he quickly established himself as one of the best defenders in the league. I mean, he's already a, a very good NBA defender. I mean, he still, he still made mistakes like every rookie does, but down the line, I think he projects to be one of the very best and most versatile defenders for the next 10 plus years or so. Uh, his quick his quick leaping ability, reaction time, and his high defensive motor, which is something to note as well, those make him an intimidating interior presence, but you can't forget his mobility as well um as well as his kind of natural defensive instincts and that also makes him adept at you know stepping out onto the perimeter and guarding guys out there as well which makes him you know very switchable very good pick and roll defender too now jackson's offense is the area that does need the most work but again he has already displayed all of the tools to become a legitimate two-way star. And I think his offense was a lot further along than most people were expecting in his rookie season. I mean, he already has a, a somewhat reliable outside shot. Um, despite having a, a relatively low release point, um, also his athleticism and soft touch 
make him a threat to score inside as well. I mean, he's even shown flashes of a post-game. Um, he's got that kind of feathery, soft jump hook that he does like to go to occasionally. And Jackson, he also finds himself on a Memphis team that's playing with no real expectations next year. Uh, the team's focus, I think, will be solely on developing their young guys like Jackson and their newly acquired point guard, Jamarant. So with that in mind, I think Jackson should seize the increased opportunities that will be coming his way. And I also look for him to build on what was, like I said, an already promising rookie campaign. You know, a stat line of around... Uh, 15 to 17 points, seven boards, a steal and one and a half blocks. Shouldn't be too much to expect, I don't think. And on defense as well, going much further than the stats, I think his impact will be even greater next year, just as he gets, you know, more used to the NBA game and if he continues to kind of fill out his frame as well. Number four, I've got Lowry Markinen for the Chicago Bulls. Now, Markinen, he's another guy that did kind of break out last year, but injuries did limit him to just 52 games in, in, in his second season. Uh, despite that, he did still put up around 19 points and nine boards a night, uh, but I expect him to take those numbers even further next year. I mean, he can score in just about every way imaginable, and his play style, it fits perfectly with the modern NBA. Now, assuming health, I expect Lowry to crack the 20-point threshold next season, while also, I think, helping the Bulls compete, at least compete for a lower-tier playoff seed. I'm not saying... Uh, that they'll make the playoffs. I think I think it's fair to expect them to at least be in the race, though. And a lot of that does come down to Markinen's development. Number three, I've got John Collins, who, again, another one of these guys, he did take a big leap last year in his second season for the Hawks. I mean, he added a, a somewhat reliable three-point stroke. He vastly expanded his offensive game, and both he and Trey Young established themselves as kind of the future core of this Hawks team going forward. But, like with the other guys I've already talked about, I think he can still take another step next year. Um, and playing with a point guard like Trey Young will help tremendously, especially since the two of them have already developed great chemistry with one another on the offensive end, I should say. And also, after sort of growing into a more central offensive role, I do expect Collins to be even more comfortable as a focal point next year, you know, as he gets more reps as kind of a go-to guy. Uh, another area that I do expect him to show improvement uh, in the coming years, next year included, is his defense, which will become more scrutinized and I think definitely more important as Atlanta become more competitive in the Eastern Conference as their young guys develop and they become more respectable as a team. 
I mean, I, I expect I expect Collins to maybe average around 22 points and 10 boards next year, possibly competing for his first all-star appearance in the process. I don't think that's too much to expect. Now, number two on this list, I've got Karis Levert for the Brooklyn Nets. Now, Levert, he was supposed to have his breakout season last year. And to start the season, it was looking like exactly that was going to happen. As you know, he was the Nets' best player in the early stages of the year. Uh, He was averaging close to 19 points a game, as well as over four rebounds, four assists as well. However, as you probably know, that horrific leg injury that he suffered would end up halting his progress and would keep him out of action until February of of last season. And when he did return to action, he wasn't nearly as effective as he had been to start the year. That was until the playoffs rolled around, where in that first-round series against Philadelphia he suddenly morphed back into the Karis Levert that we saw at the beginning of the season. And you could make the case that he was the Nets' best player in that in that first-round series. And this was, this was definitely very encouraging to see. And now, with this new-Luke Nets roster that's going to be without Kevin Durant probably for the entire season... Uh, I think Levert, he's going to be expected to step up big time in in KD's absence. Um, Now, I think given that expanded offensive role, even even with Kyrie on the team, I think Karis Levert definitely looks to be the, the second option on the team. I think... You know, him averaging somewhere in the range of of 20 points, five boards, five assists wouldn't be a stretch to imagine at all next year, provided he does he does stay healthy. Uh, But yeah, I'm a a big believer in 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 Karis Levert's game. And now finally, number one, I've got DeAndre Ayton for the Phoenix Suns. Now, it's rare that we see the number one overall pick in an NBA draft overshadowed by other rookies in their rookie season. But that's exactly what happened for Aiton last year. And it it wasn't because he sucked at all. This isn't an Anthony Bennett situation. Um, He was actually pretty, pretty darn effective for the Suns, he put up over 16 points and 10 boards a night, even even though I think he was really underutilized on offense. Um, I mean, assuming he does become more of an offensive focal point next year, which I think he will, uh, his stats should take a pretty significant jump, possibly hovering around the 20-point mark. Uh, and if the Suns can improve as a team as well, which behind their core of DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker, and now, now that they finally have a point guard too in Ricky Rubio, I think is definitely possible, and I would say likely next season, then that will only serve to get Ayton more recognition for his, for his individual prowess. So I, I do expect... Uh, sort of borderline 20, 20 and 10 season for Aiton on an improved Suns team who maybe could win 
30 something games would be my just off the, off the cuff prediction and yeah i think Aiton Aiton's development will be will be a big part of that as i do think he is primed for for a pretty big breakout season next year so that so that does it for this list um I want you guys to let me know who you think is set for the biggest breakout next year. Uh, you can let me know on Twitter. You can find me at Around the Arc Pod on there. It'd be great to great to hear your thoughts on there. Now, I'm moving on to a very interesting list that I found last week. I think I am. Um, I saw the YouTube channel Rusty Buckets talking about this list that Bleacher Report came out with, um, listing their top 23 players under 23 years of age. And he was talking about how the list wasn't very good. Uh, So... I was very very interested to take a look at the list myself and I thought uh since I was doing that I'd give you guys my thoughts on on the players that made li- this list and a few that actually didn't make this list. So if I can just get the list up here just to explain to you if you have it if you haven't uh, seen the list I'll just explain to you how they sort of pick these guys how the how the list works so they say in terms of uh, how how to rank them they say every possible factor is on the table past performances are chief among them but pro samples are not everything so this, they end up going in to talk about how they do select a few rookies onto this list, but I'll explain why I disagree with that in a minute. Um, they go on to say that players must be under 23 as of opening night next season. So, for example, Donovan Mitchell's birthday is in September, so he doesn't make this list. Jalen Brown was uh, Jalen Brown's birthday is on October 24th, so he does make the list just. Um, so just to quickly touch on why I don't think they should include rookies in this list, I think it's kind of un- unfair to put them in to a top young players list in the NBA when they haven't actually played in the NBA yet. So even as you'll see, Zion's on this list, obvious, obviously. Um, but even, even Zion, who, if he's healthy, projects to be a borderline star from day one, you know, you can't just assume things, I think, with this list. I think if, if this list was a potential stars list, I think that would be a different story. But since... They're talking about the current top young players in the NBA. That's kind of why I I would err on the side of excluding rookies from this list. So, um, 
with that in mind, there are three rookies that made this list. That is RJ Barrett, Jamarant, and Zion Williamson. Now, as I've said, I would take those three out. And the three guys that I would replace them with, these are three guys that didn't actually make this list, are Jarrett Allen, Bam Adebayo, and Anthony Simmons. Or Simons, sorry, Anthony Simons. Now... With Jarrett Allen, although I, I do think the addition of DeAndre Jordan in Brooklyn will likely slow his development, I still think he's one of the top young centers in the league as sort of a kind of rim-running, lob-catching, rebounding, shot-blocking guy. I think he he's sort of fits that mold perfectly. Um Bam Adebayo, who I've already talked about in, in today's episode, who I think is set for a pretty huge breakout season this year. And finally, Anthony Simons, who you may know uh, had that incredible 37-point performance on the last day of the regular season last year, which ended up completely altering the, the playoff picture out West. Um, you know, that's sort of his one notable NBA moment so far but I think now that the Blazers they let Seth Curry go um, they let Evan Turner go Simons is definitely going to have a lot more opportunities next year to kind of crack the Blazers rotation and that's why I think he's going to kind of show why he should at least be a borderline inclusion on this list so, with, the, with that out of the way, um, I'm just going to go through the guys on this list rank by rank and sort of give you give you my thoughts on, you know, if I agree, disagree, and, you know, stuff like that. So, at number 23 on this list, you've got Mitchell Robinson, who, again, another guy I've already talked about in, in today's episode. Um, now, I'd maybe put him above both Landry Shamit and Miles Bridges, who are the two guys listed ahead of him, just because I feel that he's he's more of a sure thing than Bridges is, I think, at this point. And I think he does have a slightly higher ceiling than Shamit does. Uh, as I, I, I think he can be a potential defensive player of the year candidate down the road. Now, Landry Shamit comes in at number 22. Um... And I think for the Clippers, now that they've added Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, I think Shamit projects to essentially just be a catch-and-shoot guy, at least next year, or, well, for the time being, with George and Leonard there. But I think he's still one of the very best potential lights-out shooters in all of basketball. And I think that's what makes him incredibly valuable in the modern NBA. So I, I have no problem at all with him being listed on this list. And then um, the number 21 spot has Miles Bridges, who, you know, he's he's a serviceable defender. He's an explosive dunker, but he does need to kind of refine every other aspect of his game. And like like I mentioned a bit earlier, he should get more opportunities this year in Charlotte, you know, with the departure of Kemba Walker. But I would still probably rank him behind both Shamit and Robinson 
and if you're including uh Jarrett Allen and Bam Adebayo as well I would I would rank him behind those two uh, maybe maybe ahead of Anthony Simons, but um, just because I, I I'm not totally sold on Miles Bridges yet, I think he's going to have to show a bit more development in year two. Uh, number twenty, uh, Bleacher Report listed Kevin Herter for the Atlanta Hawks. Now I think Kevin Herter's in a pretty similar. He's got a pretty similar play style to Landry Shamit. However, I expect Herter to get more opportunities as a ball handler and offensive creator with the Hawks. Um, so I would maybe place him just one spot above Shamit. Um, but I would still... Or, you know, I, I don't know. I, I kind of flip-flop between Herter and Shamit, but I would maybe still place... Uh, Bam Adebayo and Mitchell Robinson ahead of ahead of Kevin Herter. Number nineteen, I've got Wendell Carter Jr., who again another guy I've talked about already in today's episode. Um, if he develops like like he seems capable of, he could potentially wind up a lot higher on this list than number nineteen. Um, I mean, but it's hard to tell. Like I said, he only played 40-something games last season. Um, I mean, if he can re- if he can stay healthy and regain his outside shooting stroke, which he showed in college but kind of lost in the NBA, I think he'll definitely be the most offensively versatile center that I've talked about so far, maybe between him and, and Bam. Um, but, you know... Um, I've not got too many problems with him being at the number 19 spot for now. Number 18 was RJ Barrett, who, as I've talked about, since he's a rookie, I I don't don't think he should make this list. Uh, So we'll skip ahead to number 17, which has the first kind of odd placement in, well, the first really wrong placement, I think, which is having Lowry Markinen. Which I, he should definitely be higher on this list. I mean, I, I would put him ahead of at least five guys that are currently ahead of him. You know, guys like uh, Lonzo Ball, I'd put him ahead of Marvin Bagley, possibly Jalen Brown and Shea Gilgis-Alexander, just to name a few. Um, I mean, he's an offensive machine who almost averaged 20 and 10 in what was an injury-riddled season a year ago. I mean... That's more than enough to justify, you know, maybe a top 12 placement on this list at least. You know, I mean, I I wouldn't be too mad at uh, someone arguing that he should maybe crack the top 10 even. So that's the first sort of perplexing placement on this list. Number 16 is Jamarant, another rookie, so we'll skip skip ahead. Number 15 is Lonzo Ball. Now, I think at this stage, I think, that's still that's too high a placement for Ball, and he he definitely shouldn't be above Lowry Markinen. I mean, he's a very he, Ball. He's a very good defender, a very good rebounder and playmaker as well. But he still hasn't proven that he can stay healthy. Number one, for any length of time, and he still can't really score at the NBA level, which is a pretty huge issue. Especially, especially in today's league. So until he, you know, proves that he can play, you know, a full season 
And until he can, you know, score at some level of efficiency, then I think this this is too high a placement at, at this stage. Number 14 is John Collins, a guy who I am very high on. I mean, he's already a borderline star who has no real offensive weaknesses. And, I mean, he still has room to grow and improve, especially on the defensive end, like I, like I touched on in, in the last segment of the show. I mean, at this stage, I would have him above guys like Marvin Bagley, Jalen Brown. I'd maybe put him above Jamal Murray as well um, at this stage. So, yeah, it definitely he should be like Lowry Markin and competing for maybe a top 10 spot. 13 is Marvin Bagley, who, like I've talked about, had an awesome rookie season. But I think his his true ceiling is a, a bit more uncertain than a couple of guys ranked below him. Um overall though, I am I don't have I don't have a real problem with this ranking. Number twelve is DeAndre Ayton, who again I talked about being primed for a for a big breakout season, and I think he could definitely wind up quite a bit higher on this list if the Suns decide to utilize him more on offense and if he if he can show a bit more development as an interior defender, especially, which is something he, he struggled with in in his rookie season. Uh number eleven is Jalen Brown, which I think is that this is way too high at, at this point in time. I mean, Brown, he's a very good defender. He's a dependable three-point shooter, although he was a bit inconsistent a year ago. Uh, other than that, he's a poor playmaker. Um, he struggles at times with shot creation, uh, creating his own shot, and he doesn't hit free throws at the rate that we would like to see him. That we would like to see him at. I mean, I I do have him pegged. As having a possible bounce back season this year, uh, but even so, I would I wouldn't rank him above guys like DeAndre Ayton, Marvin Bagley, John Collins, and Lowry Markinen. Those are a few guys who I would definitely rank ahead of Brown. Number ten is Shea Gilgis Alexander. Now this is this is the ranking that um, Rusty Buckets had. A particular kind of grievance with now i i definitely think this is too high a ranking at this point in time for for shea but i am maybe a little bit higher on 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 the kid than than rusty buckets was i mean he he's one of my favorite young players and he he has a ton of potential and while his sort of steady, uncont- under control play on on both ends should warrant some all star appearances down the line, I think I do think he's placed a little bit too high on this list. Um, the same guys that I would that I would have placed above Jalen Brown, I think they could each make a case for being above Shea as well. Uh, so I'd maybe put him around the fourteenth spot 
on this list. So he is, so I do think he is slightly too high. Definitely shouldn't be in the top ten. Uh, that's for sure. Moving on to they had two. The Bleacher Report had two guys tied for number eighth. Um, so the fir- first of these guys is Brandon Ingram. Now, although he did sort of break out later on last season. Uh, I think there are still there are still a few too many questions surrounding Ingram to justify putting him this high on the list. I mean, there's the ever concerning health issue, you know, as the 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 blood clot thing kept him out of of. I mean that uh, the blood clot issue cut his season short last year, and there's always the worry that that could come back. Um, although although it, it does seem that he's likely going to be ready to go for training camp, you know, there is still the worry that this comes back down the line. And also, I think his fit on the Pelicans is slightly questionable too, since the team already has the team already has, you know, quite a few ball handlers, offensive creators. Um, so I think it, it certainly won't be easy for for Ingram to kind of establish himself. I'm not saying it's impossible. I mean, I've talked about him in previous episodes. I think he can, you know, uh, become a 20-point scorer next season. Um, but that does come with a with a with a few questions. So I I I don't think he should be as high as the number nine spot on this list is what I'm getting at. Number eight is Jaron Jackson Jr. Now I've already talked about Triple J, so you should know that I'm I'm really high on this guy. And I think a top eight spot is more than justified. And I think you could even make the case he could be one or two spots higher as well, even. Uh, number seven is Trey Young. Now, this is a bit of a weird one. I would I would understand arguments to have Young in the top five since his offensive game is already so advanced and his ceiling is even higher than that. Um, that being said, though, he is one of the worst defenders in the league and I'd be surprised if he ever turns out to be a real positive on that end so I mean you could you could push for a top five spot or you could argue that he should be in the lower end of the top 10 I mean I'd maybe place Jaron Jackson above Trey but overall I don't I don't have a huge problem with the number seven ranking now, number six, this one I do have a little bit of a problem with. Uh, um, they listed Jamal Murray in this spot. Now, I would I would definitely place Murray quite a bit lower on this list. I mean, just to name a few, I would rank Trey Young, Jaron Jackson, DeAndre Ayton, and, and maybe even Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Just, just a few guys that I would consider uh, placing above, above Jamal Murray. Now, he did have a great playoff run last year, but at this point, I think he's still too inconsistent on offense, and he's just not good enough on defense to kind of make up for that inconsistency. So for those reasons, I don't I don't think that warrants him being anywhere close to the number six spot, really. Number five, uh, there's uh, they've got Devin Booker. Now... 
individual talent speaking individual talent wise i would i would personally place booker in the top three um i'm a big fan of this guy uh but some would argue that he's just been putting up largely empty stats on a terrible phoenix team now that's definitely understandable uh but i think he he is either the best or second best young scorer in basketball the best or second best young scorer on this list and i'm i'm just of the mindset i'm hoping he can translate that into more wins as the suns you know continue to surround him with with more talent and i think that's why next year is going to be a big one because the suns do have a more well-rounded roster going into next year so I'm not expecting Booker to lead them to the playoffs or anything, but if he can up their win total a bit, I think that'll kind of help my case a bit more that, that he's not just putting up empty stats. So I, I would make the case that Booker belongs in the top three. But again, top five, not not a huge problem with it. Um, number four, they've got Jason Tatum. Now, after a relatively disappointing season last year, uh, some would want Tatum lower on this list. Um, I would understand that. But overall, I am okay with this ranking for now since I'm expecting a huge bounce back season next year uh, from Tatum. Who, on this list anyway, I would have Tatum as either the second or third best scorer, at least potential scorer. Uh, you know, if he can become a bit more efficient, you know, maybe straying away from those long two-pointers and becoming, you know, a more consistent attacker. Uh, you know, a few of those, few of those things to 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 question. But overall, not not got a real problem with him being being number four on on this list. Number three. Uh, they have De'Aaron Fox, who I've already talked about in in today's show as a guy who I think could take another leap in, in year three, but I don't really know how Bleacher Report came up with this ranking. I mean, like I've said, he's a great young point guard, future all-star for sure, but... I would definitely have him at least at the lower end of the top 10. Definitely. I don't know what he's doing this far up the rankings. Um, He 100% should not be higher than Jason Tatum or Devin Booker, at least. So that would put him at minimum at the number five spot. But I would also maybe I'd also put maybe Jaron Jackson Jr. above him. Maybe, maybe Trey Young above him too, uh, but either way, he shouldn't. He should definitely not be as high as the number three spot. Number two, Zion Williamson. I know he's the most hyped prospect since LeBron James, and everyone, including myself, is expecting him to be a, a be a star and become a superstar at some point. He still shouldn't make this list because, as I've said. He just he, he hasn't played in the NBA yet, so I don't know how he can be in the top young NBA players list. So he's disqualified. And moving on to number one, Bleacher Report has listed Luka Doncic, which 
you know, thankfully they got this one correct. <laughs> you know, I don't know how you could put anyone else other than other than Luca at this spot. I mean, he was a star from day one, and I think he could one day become the greatest European player to ever play in the NBA. I know that's quite lofty expectations, but I mean I've seen I've seen videos of people trying to make <laughs> trying to make the case that Doncic is just going to become the GOAT, you know, the basketball GOAT, the worldwide GOAT. <laughs> now I think that may be a little too high, but I mean Doncic did things as a rookie that we haven't really seen before. And yeah, I mean, he's definitely definitely deserving of the number one spot on this list so there you go uh let me know what you guys think of this of this bleacher report list uh if you haven't seen it you can uh check out i'm sure on their app or just by typing in nba 23 under 23 i think it'll come up uh but yeah love love to hear your thoughts on it um and also uh, who do you guys think are the are the top young players in the league? Again, let me know on Twitter uh, at Around the Arc Pod. Find me on there. Um, but yeah, and and that that kind of that kind of does it for for today's episode, guys. Um, can also be much appreciated if uh, if you've been listening to the listening to the podcast for a little while now Uh, it'd be awesome if you could leave a review on itunes or or wherever else you're you're getting this uh getting this content you know five stars of course is appreciated but you know um i'm open to you know questions comments thoughts suggestions for for how how to make the show better uh, for topics and things, Lo- love, love hearing all that stuff. So um, yeah, but apart from that, guys, I hope you enjoyed today's episode as always, and I will see you back here again soon for for another one. All right, take it easy. <laughs>